Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Chipman Brothers Tangent Podcast. As always, I'm Chris. I'm Bob. And uh, we're trying something new here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It's currently the uh, 17th of February, so you get an idea when we're recording this. And um, this will be the first episode we've attempted to record via Skype's recording function. Um, so that's something new we think that Skype has. We've tested out, and it seems to work okay. But just in case, we're backing up with Audacity as well. Um, yeah, so something new. Um, new things, yeah. New things. New things. So I figured I'd start um, with a little bit of, instead of end loading the new stuff and other stuff that I've been putting up on the uh, on the YouTube page and the Patreon, I figured I'd start since bef- since our last recording. I've uncovered a ton of some of the old movies and stuff that I did. Yeah. Uh, so I figured I'd, you know, start by talking about those and uh, um, just kind of give people an update. And I'm sure uh, um, this will be fun and nostalgic for, for both of us. So uh, first of all, um, I finally got um, the animations I could recover. I still haven't found all of them. Um, but I got the inf- animations I could recover um, up onto YouTube. The holdup was really that the transfer from the VHS tapes wasn't of the greatest quality and still isn't, but I'm, I'm mostly happy with it. You can at least see everything that was there. Um, and it's basically three separate upload files all on my YouTube channel and also on Patreon. Um, that's patreon.com slash the Chippa or YouTube. Um, it's Chris Chipman, the Chippa, the Chippa made this. Um, you can find them all there. Um, but the main one was uh, has a cool story. Uh, you might remember this, Bob, but when I was in St. Mary's um, in ninth grade, um, which was 1998, it was the end of eighth grade, beginning of ninth grade, I had made a little animation, and I made a lot of animations with our old JVC VHSC camcorder. And what this camcorder had was it had a quarter second function on it so i could without touching the camera because that's key hit a little button on the um on the remote control that would make the camera take a quarter frame shots and i would take these and use them to do very rudimentary animations with action figures and with legos and with whatever else and i had done a bunch of these um but i really wanted to mix them in with scenes of real people so I had concocted a few set pieces of, you know, um, you fighting some action figures in, in a bedroom and mom fighting some action figures in the kitchen and action figures kind of running around the house, kind of like um, uh, Puppet Master kind of a thing was what was going on. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a lot of fun. So I made one. Um, but I didn't quite because everything had to be filmed sequential because our editing, you know, we didn't we couldn't pop it in Adobe Premiere and, you know, move the footage around. We kind of had to do all the animation and all the scenes in order. Um, so I filmed everything and didn't use any sound for the scenes with people. So it's just kind of something that had music over the whole thing. And I haven't found this version of this movie, but that was the original Night of the Living Toys. Yes. Where mom, where mom puts out the action figures in Halloween, they come to life and they break back in and murder everybody in the house. Um, yeah. But uh, what I did was I wrote it down as a screenplay because I wasn't very fond of English class. Um, you being kind of the more 
um, artistic history oriented English um, writing literature journalism oriented of the two of us had a very easy time with classes like that I was more the math and science guy so I decided you know what I'm bored with this friggin English class I'm gonna write a screenplay and I gave it to the teacher and the teacher said this is really cool do you do this a lot and I said yeah and he said you know our uh, have you thought about making a movie and I said well actually I made this movie and I showed him the um, one without sound and told him I was making a better version of it. And he had me show them in class and I ended up getting an A for that semester um, because of that. So I was really proud of that. I thought that was really cool and it actually inspired a couple other kids in my class to make their own movies too. So, so that one's up there, at least the one with sound. Um, and Bob, um, Bob helped me concoct the story. I think that's a, was that a video hounds guide or, a, in the movie, you're reading some, some book that we had. I don't know if it was a video hound or if it was like a cult movie. I, I, I think it was the psychoma. I think it was the psychotronic book, but it, it could, it was either the video hound or the psychotronic. The trauma book is, was like very small. Right. That was everything I needed to learn about the Toxic Avenger uh, film I learned from the Toxic Avenger. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But the Psychotronic Video Guide, what was that? More of like like cult and low budget yeah. horror? Yeah, that that was that was like the cult um we but that was you know, this whole genre of things that doesn't exist anymore because now it's just basically people like me's YouTube channel that you know, just compendiums of you know, this is a bizarre thing that exists in, like, phone book form, which is, you know, like, back in the day, kids, Wikipedia was basically made of a tree. And, you know, <laughs> you, you would you would go and get, like, a yearly copy of it at Barnes & Noble, which uh, I believe, actually, they, they stopped publishing it for, like, two years, Video Hound, at least. And, like, then it started publishing again. And I have no idea who would still buy this other than people who were just like nostalgic to have it right that's probably gonna be it because but but like because i mean like now it is the most inconvenient like thinking back on it like the the one got like it's some every video store should have but like it would have to be like the one person like you or me or our friend tim like the one person who was like really good at knowing stuff at a video store would bring theirs from home. And it was just this thing that was like the size of six phone books stacked on top of each other. And it would just be an alphabetical listing of every fucking movie. And then like an index in the back and people would say, do you have that one with that guy? And you'd like, look and find, Oh, Robert De Niro. All right. And then like, it would take like five or 10 minutes you know, and now it's just like the IMDb and like, I mean, I have a certain amount of nostalgia for him, but I have no idea who is still buying this thing. Right. It, it's funny because um, I still need to do a Talkbuster episode with you, but we can go into this in more detail. But I, I don't even think like we worked in a video stores basically up until the time just before everybody had the Google on their phone. Yeah. Right. So even in Blockbuster, it's not like we had a computer with Google on it. No. Go no. to. And so so we did. We had a video hound or a psychotronic or a cult movie guide. But um, yeah. it, 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 it was like the Dr. Demento show of, mm -hmm. of, of rare movies or yeah. rare odd movies. Just basically yeah. the, 
So, so yes, yeah, so, so you're reading through the, the psychotronic video guide and pretending it's some book about the occult and, you know, mom puts the action figures up, which uh, it was my obsession, which still goes to today of, of Todd McFarlane action figures. Um, number one, they were incredibly detailed and I loved the Todd McFarlane comics. And two, um, they were very easy to animate because they were so detailed and articulate. So, well, also um, they would stand up. Yeah. My favorite one was the max. Yeah. Right. Cause you have big um, feet, which those of you might either remember from the image comic or would remember from, um, the MTV cartoon show, which was all animated. Um, show which was fantastic as well. It's um, been it's been twenty five years, man. Man, no one remembers either of those things. Twenty five. Y- All right. Well, fine. You don't remember what they were, <laughs> so look up the image comic of the Max. They both they both they both rule, but like you know, like they, like there have been like two generations of people who've been born that have had no reason to know what the Max is. Oh Jesus, you're right. <laughs> Well, anyway, it was, Max, it was it was fucking, fucking awesome. And he was yeah. easy to animate. Yeah, like of of all the '90s stuff that we've managed to keep around, that 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 was not actually good. Like, so there's so much, like everything that was a cartoon that didn't hold up on MTV. Like, people will still try to convince themselves that Aeon Flux was still good when they made it longer than five minutes and tried to make a fucking series out of it. And it was like, oh, wow, yeah, there there really isn't anything here, is there? Huh. And and Peter Chung uh, people are kind of difficult to look at after a while. Huh. Or or like uh, like when, when the head, you know, went into a second season and they didn't know what to do with it anymore. Or, you know, Spawn, which hasn't really held up at all. But then, like, The Max, which was an awesome comic and an awesome cartoon and 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 just, like, great. Just, like, this great self-contained thing. And, and it's had... They haven't, like... Have they tried to reboot The Max at all? No, I think the closest thing they got to was there was a DVD release of it right yeah. around the time the HBO Spawn stuff right. came out. That's about right. it. Yeah, so, like, this... Like, like you, you could do the Max as a movie. Like I, like I'm sure if I looked like right now, I'm sure someone's done like like a fan film or something, you know. But like I never see people cosplaying the Max. I never see people like like this is a like the actual good stuff that existed in the '90s. Nobody wants to fucking remember. Well, I mean, I saw you posting about. Um, making a Crazy Taxi movie the other day. I want to remember that. Crazy Taxi was was more early two thousands, wasn't it? Was that was 99, that nine? It was it was a Dreamcast launch title. Oh well, and it was in arcades before that. Right. Yeah, okay. Before okay. that, yeah. Yeah, all right. I, I, mean, I, I, I the I Offspring to, yeah. album, all those songs were on, came out in like ninety eight. Right. I I don't mean to rant about the Max here, but it it's just like you know since like. As much as we tried to hold back '90s nostalgia from happening, it's gonna happen. So, so if it is like if people who were not around to experience the '90s who are now having just the absolute garbage that that my generation convinced itself was good and have already like been forced to absorb, because I know that some asshole film professor my age has made you watch reality bites 
and has told you that it's as good as Richard Linklater movies and as important as Kevin Smith movies. It's not. I I know that someone has has, has like I I understand I understand and I'm so deeply sorry, but I promise you, just I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'm sure that it's like online somewhere. I'm sure this DVD is not that expensive. It's called The Max. It's spelled with two X's. It's about a superhero who is a homeless man. And it is perfect. Yeah, in in, in all iterations. Yeah. The show, the, the show and the comic were actually both fantastic. It, it is... At the, I think this is the reason why it's not remembered is because it was like both the best of like the, the gritty image superhero stuff, but also just like a, a, a great like deconstruction of it. Yeah. I, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It, it's, it was too good for the world that made it. Absolutely. You know, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail your thing, but the show, what the, do you the, mean, Bob? It, it's yeah. what our show is called. Right, right. It's the tangent, but like the, the relevant point to this is that, for when McFarlane was doing his action figures, like the first wave of them with the Spawn stuff, because Spawn, like when he started doing this, had like six characters. Right. So so they also did like a bunch. And then like three of these he wasn't allowed to use anymore very quickly, like because he got sued by Neil Gaiman. Like, uh, to oh, be, yeah, like because there's that whole thing. Because, like, the first wave of spawn action figures was like spawn clown, violator, medieval spawn, Angela, uh, Cagliostro, uh, and and the Max randomly, right? Right, yes, be, that's be, right. Because the Max was on television and also was like known. So, randomly, this awesome TV show based on a comic by the same publisher as Spawn, wound up with a figure in the first Spawn line. And it was, because the, the Max was drawn in this very kind of super deformed way, he's he's supposed to be like a, a really like muscular homeless guy wearing like a purple bodysuit with like really big feet and like Wolverine, but with only one big claw on each hand. Yep. Yeah. And, and an Indian headdress. And an Indian... Well, no, he only has the Indian headdress because half of the time he is... Well, he's he's always crazy because he's mentally unstable, which is why he dresses up in a purple bodysuit. And he also might... Well, that would be a spoiler. But he also thinks that he travels into, like, a fantasy version of the Australian Outback. Yep. Yeah, it's... it's it, it's weird and it's warped, but it's awesome. Like the the Max and Daria are like the only two genuinely perfect things that that my generation gifted to the world in animation. Yeah, May, maybe also SpongeBob. Maybe also SpongeBob. Yeah, I'd say a, a large amount of the first wave of the What a Cartoon stuff too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, those were. Okay, I, I can count. To, I can count those. I can count those. Yeah, all right. Maybe yeah. not. I mean, I, I think. I think anything that Jendi Tartakovsky kind of spawned from. Jendi Tartakovsky, Craig McCracken, yeah, Van yeah, Part, those, Van Partable. Those guys. I mean, that was kind of more at the end of it. I just always think yeah, yeah. the 
the what a cartoon show in the right. liquid television is kind of right, being right. spiritual successors to one another. Right. Well, well, like I mean, like think about how ahead of its time Johnny Bravo was. That's what I mean, right? Well, there's there's yeah. one that people are forgetting. Well, yeah, well, because I think they haven't like re they they they've never bothered to like reboot Johnny Bravo because like you. A reboot of Johnny Bravo now would, would just be Johnny Bravo. Like, there's nothing to redo about about that show. You know, like like j- people joke around now. It's like, like like a big thing now is you know, it's like, oh man, you know, they would reboot. Because I think I saw this on on like uh, on a thing as a joke. Like, man, if they did Johnny Bravo now, it would be a, it would they'd make it all about how toxic masculinity sucks. And I'm like, that's what the show is about. That's Johnny Bravo. <laughs> Like that was the that was the show. The show Johnny Bravo was this dude. Again, I feel like. Do you think do, you, do people know remember Johnny Bravo? I hope they would, but probably not. Like jo- Johnny Bravo was this cartoon about this dude who was like he he kind of looked he, like he thought he was the fawn. Well, yeah, but he I talked like, like he talked like Elvis, and he was like a big muscle guy, and he had like shades, and he did like kung fu moves, and he was like a ladies man, like an old school macho guy. But he constantly and, and the joke of the show was that he was like a Pepe Le Pew guy, but like American. So he would just like show up on women and just be like, "Oh, hey, baby, how you doing?" You like he would basically sexually harass women. But yeah, like, the, and, he, and he always he, got called on his shit. Well, not just get called on his shit. Was that like women would just beat the shit out of him? Yep. <laughs> you know, like 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 the women would either you know like look at him and go, "You're, you're a loser. What are you doing? Why why are you talking to me like this?" Or they'd ignore him, or they'd like grab him and like throw him across the room or something, and he'd just be like, "Oh, mama," you know. Like, I mean, he's a cartoon, so he's invincible. But like, it was just a whole show about how this guy, who's like the like like what we would now call a pickup artist, was right. just the the biggest loser on the planet well, it, and completely was, clueless. It was like Tom and Jerry, yeah, style yeah. like Three Stooges style antics. If the chasing character was a predatory alpha male that um constantly got the tables turned on him right right <laughs> and, and i mean and it, you know it, it's a children's cartoon version of this so there's no indication of exactly what john Crow wants from these women no, other I than uh, i just other, want to get out with you mama <laughs> so other, that's about other, like like he, he basically just wants attention that's yeah. it it's is, like a is, little kid's vision of of what like their older cousin is constantly chasing around girls looking for right well because well because like his his like sidekick characters in the show were were like the the only person who treats him as like uh, a a relevant human being is is like this like little girl scout or something that right. you know j- yeah who who just kind of hangs around with him oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but just thinks of but just seems to regard him as a gigantic child, right? Yeah. And that show was awesome. So that that was part of the original run, right? That was like the Dexter, Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken, Powerpuff Girls, Powerpuff Girls, um, yeah. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah, yeah, they had the the the, the first run of that. The 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 original thing for Family Guy was in the first wave of those. It didn't yes, get it made was. into it didn't get made into a show, but it was it was the the original thing of Family Guy. I remember that. With uh, it had, I mean the 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 drawings were different, but it was basically, you know, what would become Peter and Brian. Oh yeah. It was it was the guy and the the talking dog, and it had uh, 
And I remember this because, well, the voices were pretty good. You know, Seth MacFarlane doing, like, the two voices were already there. And it was just uh, a smart dog and a stupid gets adopted by a stupid human. Right. And I, and I remember this because it's just a slapstick cartoon and whatnot. But it has one absolutely killer bit in it when the dog is in the pound and he's trying to convince the stupid human to adopt him. And he's trying to say, he's like, listen, listen to me, pal. Listen, it, it's the Brian voice, obviously. If, if you don't get me out of here, they're going to put me to sleep. Do you understand? If you don't get me out of here, you will be responsible for the resulting euthanasia. And the, the cut the line, he's like, oh, man, they got so many kids as it is. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a killer joke. Now, granted, it's a joke that they've pretty much stolen whole hog from the Benny Hill show like 20 years yep. ago. But, you know, what are you going to do? Everybody lives from Benny Hill. Right. Well, wow. So we, we got all the way through what a cartoon show from the Max. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so you were animating with this figure of the Max, which was a great figure. That figure must be expensive on eBay. And I still have him. Nice. And part of my plan is to animate with him again. But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, what was I? He's still got the end written on his foot. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, the end credits of some of these things. All right. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, he, so him and these other Todd McFarlane toys I animated um, in this one to, you know, come to life and kill my family. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and I loved making it. And it took a little while to get it back up on here um, because I had to completely remove and change the sound in these. Um, so thanks to um, what's what's our friend at Incompetech's name? I, I know the site. I just can't remember his name. Kevin McLeod. Kevin McLeod. I'd like to thank him again because that, that site's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and I was able to find um, songs that fit. So I had used uh, the theme from the 1997 Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie because, you mm. know, everybody my age had that soundtrack. because For two songs. Movie, and we thought the movie was going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Whoops. Um, but the soundtrack, the opening theme was really good. Um and so I used that, and then I used the Halloween theme, and I didn't want to get sued, so I uh, so I changed it. Um, and then the other two that that I've been able to salvage were um, a series of fight scenes between um, Manga Spawn and um, uh, the Max. Manga and Spawn. Lego, yep, and a couple of Lego figures that I had, just you know, kind of dicking around and having fun. I changed the music there, and then I had a series of um, ones involving Lego pirate ships and pirate figures I had that I did. So those three are up there for your viewing pleasure. Um, I'm really proud still of how they came out, even though they were just kind of tech demos. Yeah. Um, but what I haven't found yet are I had about a like 15 minute long series of animations involving the Max where he kept waking up in my room like Toy Story style and trying to escape, um, but would keep. Um, like crap, the humans are around and getting thwarted by me. Yeah. And put back up. So that was a lot of fun, and I, I have to find that one. And I also did a um, my most technically complicated one of these animations, where I incorporated camera movements in to the animation. Which, if anyone who's listening to this has ever done stop motion animation, moving the characters frame by frame is hard enough, but coming up with camera pans and things to go along with it is a whole nother level. And I had. Um, Spawn, based one of my Spawn figures versus the Max, and I called it Chris Chipman's Duel of the Fates, and I played um, Duel of the Fates from Star Wars Episode One over it, 
So I'll have to find some new music for that as well if I ever mm. find it. But that one's awesome. It's got um, action figures chucking knives across the room at each other and pinning each other to the wall. It, it, it's got all kinds of fun stuff. So I hope to get that up there as well. But on top of these cool old animations, which I'd like to start getting back into again, I've also, um, with the thumbs up from our friend uh, Tim Luz, um, Cinemaspection Tim Luz, and he's also been on the Talk Buster um, podcast as well. Um, I've taken all of the contents of Ithaca Mourns, a Zombie Odyssey DVD, which those of you that have been to Bob's um, YouTube page have seen him share that film in the past, and I have as well. That was a zombie movie written by our friend Tim that was a zombie film, but to the tune of Homer's The Odyssey, um, where the zombie is dying or becoming a zombie slowly and having flashbacks of his human life. And we made a 15-minute long movie, but have a half an hour behind the scenes that was on that DVD, deleted scenes, a gag reel, a movie trailer, and multiple commentary tracks. And aside from the commentary tracks, which I'm still trying to figure out how to pull off of there, I've got all the footage up on my YouTube page since the last time that we uh, recorded. Um, so you guys can go there and check those out there. They're fascinating. And, you know, to me, because this is our group of friends, right? We were all working at Blockbuster together and having a good time. Um, holds a lot of nostalgia, but I hope through some of the behind-the-scenes features you get a better understanding for what really went into that 15-minute-long Silly Little Zombie movie. And if you do enjoy it, also buried within the, that playlist of footage um, was our first film that we made together called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, also mm -hmm. written by Tim Luz. And um, it gave us our name of No Hands Productions because of the argument between a particular Adobe After Effects special effect involving a hand coming out of a bag and pulling our friend Jeremy inside that um, was so divisive. <laughs> so that's where No Hands Productions came from. So that's so a little bit of housekeeping um, and tell everybody uh, any uh, any stories or anything you remember from working on those films, Bob, that you think is worth bringing back up here? Or is it kind of just I've covered it all? I, I think you've covered uh, like the, the relevant parts of it. Uh, you know, the the making of stuff has some in there. I mean, the, the shoots went like, like we didn't really have any like weird disaster -y stuff on there. It was just sort of, you know, the 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 grind of making uh, of, of making stuff like that, you know, well, the, the fun thing about Ithaca Morns, um, yeah. which Tim and I on our episode of Talkbuster that's actually premiering. Um, oh, hey, Jake, <laughs> because because I have a backlog now, it's kind of hard to remember when things are premiering versus recording. But that will have been premiered before this episode comes out. Mm. Um, Tim and I went into a bit of a you know, background on what went down with the filming of Ithaca Morns, but um, we had actually filmed about a third of the movie with a different cast of zombies. Right, right. And so that was that was a fun part. We had, you know, Tim had hired a couple of people that were going to come and be the, the zombies that got chased down the hill in the very first scene and got killed, and they ended up not showing back up for the remaining footage, so we had to rehire actors and reshoot all of that. Yeah. So in the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, you actually can see some of the original footage um, with those other actors, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's kind of where things are at, um, you know, with, with the YouTube channel and the Patreon. And um, I'll, I usually say it at the end, but I'll say it again here. If you're liking this stuff, 
I'm hoping to put more stuff up than this other than just the podcasts. Um, I've been averaging, not averaging, I've been producing for the entirety of 2019 a podcast a week. I've got a backlog, so a dollar um, from you guys towards my Patreon is just a quarter a podcast on top of all this other stuff. Um, so I just want to make more is what it comes down to. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I hope uh, anyone that's a fan of Bob's is also a fan of mine and vice versa. And uh, I just um, want to make more so I can do more. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, um, adulting. Adulting is my next topic on here. Mm. So, Bob, uh-huh. um, my house yes. has, has doubled in value since I purchased it seven years ago. Oh, well. Isn't that insane? How, how does that work? So we got it reappraised. Ah. And um, it's doubled in value. So um, we were able to uh, refinance and cash out some money and... We're paying off the majority of our credit card debt and getting a whole bunch of stuff fixed in the house and paying down some student loans and uh, adulting. Okay, all right. So, so it's so like refinancing the house. That 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 means what? That means like so so you basically bought, you, you, you you borrowed more against the yeah house. you borrowed okay. more against the house based on a new appraised value. So it's doubled in its appraised value since we bought it, which means we've put a lot of good money into it. And also means the market's gotten better. And so I'm really excited. And so All right. Things are looking up. Good. Good. I don't know. That's the, <laughs> taking the podcast in a different direction, just gloating about how, how happy I am and how well I'm doing right No, now. no, oh. that's no, I think that's that's great news. That's great. I I like I I rent I like j- only just started like buying instead of leasing cars, so these are like foreign concepts to me. Right. And I, they were foreign concepts to me till about a week ago too. Yeah. So I'm pretty happy. I know. So, I, uh, I, I have business managers and accountants that handle like that side of my business. Yeah. I'm just guessing right mm-hmm. now, uh, but yeah. Uh, so, so there's that. Um, oh, Jake, you're an unhappy guy. Oh, is he okay? Yeah. He's just, uh, it's fussy time of the night right now. Oh, does he have Does he have his teeth coming in or something? Yeah, probably. I, but yeah, I'm talking Uncle Bob. Yes, I am. Yeah. He's smiling. Oh. Um. So. Uh, podcast yeah. baby. We're po- yeah podcast baby. So we're podcasting. Yeah. Um, so, so what else did I feel I needed to talk about? Um. Oh, so so our birthdays are coming up. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. Um. For the, I'm sure we talked about this before, but uh, um. Me and Bob were born a week apart from each other mm-hmm. in three years. But me, Bob, my dad, are a couple of our cousins, a whole bunch of people all born in February. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, that's coming up. So that'll be cool. I'm going to be 35. I will be 38. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild, right? It's it, it it's something. <laughs> and like you said, the max was like 25 years ago. So that. I don't really have a concept of time anymore. Yeah. On any of this. I, I hear I hear you, Jake. I hear you. It's been that <laughs> it, it's been that kind of week for me too. And um because it's uh my birthday month and because of the way things have been going um lately, we had a new Lego movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Lego did, movies yeah. seem to have been releasing on my birthday every year. Yeah, so that, yeah. 
So um, I uh, uh, creating Geeks podcast from Sarah and I, which will have premiered um, hopefully before this episode as well. Um, we actually are doing um, the history of Lego and then going through each Lego movie one by one. Um, nice. So the Lego movie, which I love. The Lego Batman movie, which I also love. The Lego Ninjago movie, which I seem to be one of the few people that actually really enjoyed. That was fun. And um, uh, then the Lego movie, too, which uh, I know Sarah and I talk about it, but figured, you know, we saw it with you. So um, I know that you have a review out for it, but I figured we could uh, we could talk a little bit about it. So, um, yeah. What what did you think of Lego movie, too, Bob? I, I had a good time with it. I, I think it's I, th- I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was interesting. It's it's I don't I don't know how many more times they can go back to this well. Right. I can't believe but, they've done it four times. Yeah. Well. Well. I mean, this specific one because they yeah. they they've they've got they've they've got a, an interesting little group of those where it's not they've sort of let the the logic on which the 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 Lego movie franchise within the lego movie the actual the lego movie runs is they they've got kind of a hard limit on where it can go and what it can be let like there's not like the like lego batman you know that like that never really leaves its own reality right you know so like it's it's implied like we don't say okay we've seen the first lego movie we understand that this is the, that the, that these are Lego and that they're toys and that there's a self awareness thing going on, but it, it kind of like lives in its own thing. Whereas the Lego movies, since the first one, ha, you know, have had this like locked in thing that says, no, you're aware that these are toys. You're aware. We're even now joking about the fact that none of this is happening. That this is, you know, a a representation of kids acting stuff out and working through stuff. So you know, who knows how long they can keep this uh how many more things there are for them to do because they've kind of done like it, it feels like there's two stories for them to do and now they've done them right and i it's it's kind of the same way i felt about the toy story films yeah because it, it's it's very similar with what they're trying to tap into mm. this one is a very specific brand whereas toy story is just toys in general right well um, yeah and toy but, story but, yeah but but i was gonna say you know with with this, I can't believe they did it twice because mm. it's very much established. It's the same family. It's the same world, you know, and um, I'll, I'll just get into spoiler alert here because the movie's pretty fresh and yeah. no one's seeing it anyway. So when <laughs> when when people go, um, they'll they'll be surprised or when they watch it on video or for free on Netflix or whatever shows up. But um, the the cool thing that I loved about the first one is that when it finally hits with the what's going on, which is okay, this, you know, because the, 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 the first movie needed to both keep what exactly is going on, how much of this is meant to be taken at face value, and how much of it is a metaphor for what's going on with the people that are actually playing with these toys. Yeah, It's a big reveal in the first movie. Yeah. We know that going into this one, so now it's okay, what's really going on between the characters? Yeah, And I love that they, you know, the point outside of, you know, making uh, a corporate consumerist movie that's telling you you shouldn't buy 
products and be a corporate consumerist, but also buy all these cool Lego sets that work so damn well also had the emotional resonance of a father son, you know, the dad that has grown up and now his Lego toys are not for kids. They're an adult toy and I'm going to glue them together so you can't play with them. And that whole like gap that can be made between a dad and a son, which is kind of Lego's whole shtick, right? You know, I've been to Legoland in Boston, for example, and their whole thing is you can't get in without a kid and a kid can't get in without an adult. It's meant to be shared. Yeah. And and I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And so this movie instead is very heavy handed with its metaphors. They're very obvious to the adults in the room what's going on because the kids are going to be surprised by the story anyway. You know what I mean? Right. But and the adults that have already gone, OK, the part that really resonated with me, I know what's what your shtick is now. So what are you going to do to surprise me? And instead, they decided to laser focus it. Yeah. And I love that about it. I remember sitting in the theater going, oh, I see what they're doing. Because you see the trailer and you go, okay, I know that the first movie ended with the toys being invaded by the new bad guy, which is the Lego Duplo. Um, We're from Planet Duplo. We're here to destroy you. And okay, so the sister's involved now. Yeah, yeah. But they, they revert back on that of, okay, not only did that happen, but then the son started growing up. Yeah. And yeah. he got this, like, you know teenage angsty adolescent edgelord thing going on which is established in you know apocalypseburg which he's built and it's like okay they're really just going to lean heavy on the very hot topic of toxic masculinity and things right, that yeah. you can learn yeah. if you're left alone to your own devices and adolescence that you kind of need to grow out of that a lot of people haven't and i loved that about it i loved mm-hmm. all the the super meta jokes with Chris Pratt and the very similar to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 storyline with, you know, meeting his father and Guardians, which is like, okay, this is who I should aspire to be. And in this, it's literally meeting future version of himself. Yeah. Which is so much of a meta joke that he even asks people, whoa, whoa, you can see him too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Throughout the whole movie. And I love that the Chris Pratt character. The what is his name? Um, Danger Kill Vest or Rex Danger Vest. Rex Danger Vest, who is literally after getting left there, I built a time machine and went back in time and found the only people or the only things in the universe that I could relate to. And it's just a ship full of velociraptors. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's it's just so much of it. It's just so well done. Not not even getting into how brilliant all the stuff involving. The Sistar system and Tiffany Haddish's awesome new villain. Because, like I said, could they do uh, Toy Story 2 was a big surprise. Like, remember when Toy Story 2 was coming out and it was originally supposed to be a direct to DVD thing. Mm -hmm. And Disney was being looked down on hardcore for their direct to DVD sequels. And then it was like the rumor going around oh, the script was so good that they decided to produce it and put it in theaters. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Toy Story 2 and you go, I didn't think this thing was going to make me friggin' cry. Like, I yeah, thought I yeah. thought we already got through. And it's kind of the same thing with this. Is like, I didn't think they were going to make me think again. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's... I, it, thought, well, I, I thought it was just going to be noise. Yeah. Not that I didn't expect... You know what I mean? It just... It, it was amazing. Yeah, it's it's going for a much in in a way like at the time I thought harder okay, to kill the swallow. Well, than the well, first well, one. well, it's it's harder on on multiples. I think that the first one it's 
the first one, it, it's it's brilliant, and it's also kind of brilliant in its simplicity because, like, you get there, and it's like, oh, this is so. It's it's like the 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 metaphor that it leans on is like it seems complex when you get there, but then it's like, oh no, wait, this is actually maddeningly easy. You right. know, you you just kind of have to like do a little bit of a mental lift and just kind of work out in your head. Okay, so. Did the kid also, like, the kid has imagined, like, the Lego universe and, and all of this stuff going on. Did he also imagine all of that cogent media satire? But it's right. fine, because right. because it's a thing. In in this one, there's, you, they're asking you to do, once we reveal uh, the, there's kind of like a, a like a, a, a trick to what's been going on with the characters, because our understanding that when we're seeing the Lego characters in their Lego universe is that we're not simply seeing the the play, we're seeing the imagined representation thereof. So the worlds are bigger and the vehicles are more elaborate. The figures can move more than they otherwise would with their articulation. And in the case of this one, there are entire characters who are present in the story because of the story being acted out, who are in fact not there right it, like without without giving it away this is the the first this is the first time during the lego movie that i asked my that that you know i sat there thinking okay which of these two characters who both of whom are presumed to not exist because they're imaginary is in fact being imagined to be imagined by the one imaginary character who at least has a physical presence that's that's quite a lift. So you know, I I, I you okay? Yeah. Okay. So like I'm like uh, I think it works. I wonder if some of like this is not as it's doing fine. It's not as big like a, a smash as the first one was. I wonder if a little bit if it is that that's maybe a little bit of a lift for you know what is again kind of a movie that's aimed at seven year olds. Right. But uh, the what what I found fascinating, uh, apart from the, you know, what, what they're going with as, as soon as even if you don't know what the story turn that they're going to do with Emmett and Rex Dangerous, once he shows up and they show you the exterior of the ship and, and what his special ability is supposed to be and whatnot. And you're like, OK, all right, I, I understand where this is going you know they're they're being very upfront this time with the really obvious joke naming of what the ancient stuff is. They know that everyone is going to be ahead of the movie, so they, they instead they're going to fake you out with what's going on with Emmett and Rex and what that story's really about, which right. is you know apart from the Lego thing, is a legit like a legit sci-fi. Oh, this is who this guy is twist for that kind of thing. Like that is a solid version of like, take out the Lego part of it as a time travel reversal kind of thing. Like works. Like right. it's, and it's that's, a, it, that's yeah. what I really liked about it. Is it, yeah. Whereas the first movie was a combination of film genre satire being done in Lego. Cause you can do that with Lego cause they've satired everything. Yeah. Um, this one has a very specific genre it's going for when it gets to its plot reveals and it nails it. Yeah. Well, and, you know? and, and what's kind of, what, what's very interesting is 
everyone sort of knew when they when when the plot and the posters and these are coming out, and it's like, okay, we're going to the Sistar system, and at least one of the and and you know the the villain the the villains in quotes in this one, uh, half of them will be from like the Lego Friends line, and they'll have like the 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 girl Legos line basically, and. Uh, like everyone knew, okay, this will be the boy. That this that some element of this will be the boy Legos versus the girl Legos, and and that's what we'll be. I know I'm pluralizing Lego, and I'm apologizing to the podcast. Yes, yeah, uh, I, I but, did the same thing, and then I have to catch myself. But what's fascinating about this, and I I will eventually do an episode of my own thing and, and elaborate on this, but in in brief, is they're almost doing a like a deep, like a, like a, uh, like a satire of satire, if that makes sense. Right. Because, like, for the longest, okay, so there's a an extended reference in the in the in this movie to basically to a wrinkle in time. And it's an incredibly good and equally yeah. as creepy reference to a wrinkle in time. Too. Right. And it's um, Wrinkle in Time book and movie is right. you know because uh, when when he eventually when when the when the the hero Legos presume the, the the hook that they've hinged the movie on is that Emmett has to go and rescue the other Lego characters from the first movie from the from the Sistar system which out of universe as everyone in the audience is supposed to have figured out before he gets there is that the kid's younger sister has borrowed some of the toys and taken them up to her room. Is that's, is the is the whole it. right is the whole hook of this? And Batman is going to marry uh, the Queen. <laughs> yeah, right. So the so like Who that's has that, an absolutely brilliant, brilliant song to screw with Batman into getting him to be jealous of Superman. So right, he'll right. Want to marry she, she has she, she has she has she has the two good songs, and and so when they get there, um. They they land in this uh, representation of like a an unfolding suburb where everyone seems kind of cowed and stepfruity, and all of the the borrowed boy figures are acting sort of like homebodied and and domesticated, and it's an unmistakable reference to Camazots from the Wrinkle in Time book, which was which used sort of you know the the identical suburban blockhouses thing as a reference to limbo, communism, hell, whatever, right, right, right. F- for its sort of thing. And it, it's very much of a kind to what for the last 70 or 80, for a, like half a, half a century now, every supposedly clever, you know, look how clever we are, piece of media that wants to tell you that like, see, we're we're satirizing consumerism, is to do. Oh, it's the suburbs. It's domesticated. It's feminized, and you know, like every time, any movie that's been made uh, or, or like thing that wants to show that something pure and freewheeling and fun and cool has been seduced and no, you see, this sounds good, but it's not really good. What they always do is they give it some kind of like poptimism flavor. It's always, no, you you must resist the easy, cheap, tacky lure of, you know, pop music and domestication and mom stuff. And you, you know right. what I, you know what I mean? And 
this movie basically seems to do that. Like the characters go up to the sister's room and the, 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 the queen sings a song about how she's going to give them all kinds of presents and that everything is going to be shiny and sparkly and good. And our cool, awesome, badass sort of tomboy hero girl says, no, this, this is clearly because the lyrics are clearly like a bad guy song. Says, well, no, it's, it sounds this, like the sea witch song from the right. Yeah. This, this is <laughs> no, this, this is clearly bad. This, this is like the, the typical version of I'm going to give you things, whatnot. The outside stuff is this consumerist kind of, you know, poptimism hellscape kind of thing. These are all of the signifiers that like a whole bunch of media have, have put onto things to say, no, this is creepy and weird and bad, and that's how you should know. But the turnaround in this is eventually that there was no seduction going on right. of, of just, stuff that... It's just, a, it's just a little girl trying yeah. to share her little girl stuff with her brother and his toys. Right, yeah, that, 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 there, that there really is no... That, that none of this stuff was actually threatening. She's like, no, she really was, like, the in-universe, in the evil queen really did just give them a bunch of presents and that was it. You and, know, cover, like and cover his Lego toys in glitter and they really were happy about it. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, like, like, the, like, they're, like, and so it's... It's kind of like it, it's almost sort of insidious. It's sort of like in because like like a almost an admiring criticism of the first Lego movie is that they took basically the Lego, you know, Lego's marketing pitch, which is Lego. It's not just a toy. It's educational and good for your imagination and brings families together and like turned it into the actual moral of the story. Right. And and in this one, they've basically taken you know, like the the universal symbol for we understand that, you know, plastic pop consumerism is secretly bad and blown it up and said, no, the moral of this one is that plastic pop consumerism is like totally fine. You, you can absolutely trust it. You, you can absolutely, you know, no, you can absolutely trust it. You, you know, American Idol's fine. Simon Cowell's a good dude. This is this is all good. This is all fine. Be 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 optimists, you know. Just just but just 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 but and and it's like because and and like it and it and it's coming at it from a very sincere place of why do why is this the thing that we make the the face of the demonic, you know? Why is why is it suspect? Why, why is like the feminization suspect you know why is this why is that creepy you know what i mean right so i like, I, yeah. I love the whole first half of the movie aside where every single time emmett who i i love is the side it, 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 you know it's the side of the kid's personality that's still the you know the the ever the optimist the thing that wasn't affected by the the anger of adolescence right yeah um who even though, yeah, okay, he's still, you know, a perfectly naive, innocent guy, has to be continuously reminded for the majority of the first half of the movie. No, no, I, I, I was there. I helped take down Lord Business. No, Wild Style did all that. You kind of just stood there and were positive. Right. Well, and <laughs> I, I loved yeah. that whole takedown. Of yeah. That. Well, and it's a good. Well, and it's a good gag, and also, you know, it kind of like solves a. Uh, it, it solves its its own plot hole later on. It's like. 
Well, yeah, wait a minute. Why aren't they borrowing? Well, they can't borrow Emmett because Emmett is not actually in the movie. Right, exactly. Un- un- until the very end of the movie, he's not actually there. He's just being imagined to be there because the kid's acting out the, the time travel story. Right, exactly. So so it's uh, it, it really is quite a thing. And it's just, it's like if, if these guys like worked for the government like the Lord, they 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 can literally sell anything, except like the Star Wars people on letting them finish a movie. But uh, like yeah, any, any which which I, which I think is funny because they 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 went and made and produced and wrote that awesome awesome Spider Man movie that at, after the you know sale of all of that and all the changeover Disney now owns, which yeah. which I think is great. Yeah. But, but um yeah, I mean. They they are just printing gold. I mean, they made me like not one but two movies made out of Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really something, and I uh, I am I am continually fascinated by it, and I can't wait to see what else they do. And uh, it's gonna be like I I'd say like I I I'd say that I wish that they were on like Howard the Duck, but I guess like uh, Kevin Smith is on Howard the Duck now. And I mean, Ke- Kevin Smith's a new man, man. Yeah, he is. He's. I'm. I'm. I'm happy to hear the things he's doing, and I think Howard the Duck will be a blast. I do. I think. I think that's. I think the uh, the the Marvel adult animated universe, I guess, is now going to be a thing. Hey, good for them. Yeah, good for them. That that I'm 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 for it. I'm for it. I'm. For, what is it? It's uh, Hit Monkey, uh, Howard the Duck, some uh, Modoc. And uh, a team up with uh, Tigra and Dazzler, right? Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm in awe. It's on Hulu, right? It's gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be on Hulu. Which it, it seems like the, uh, the solution to the uh, R-rated stuff can't be on Disney Plus is that it's gonna go to Hulu. So maybe, maybe that'll be like the saving grace for Daredevil, Punisher, Jessica Jones, and whatnot. Who knows? Who knows? Nice. Yeah, I, I don't know if i need a whole lot more of anything other than jessica jones but you know oh shoot i i never finished watching punisher season two i should probably do that yeah i haven't started it so yeah (laughs) there you go like the first Um, one was fine that's awesome yeah so so bob i uh i i was having this thought the other day yeah and um and thought thought that i would pitch this not necessarily as a, as a real idea because I think this is just so terrible that somebody's going to do it. So I'd rather we talk about it first so we can get the money from it. So yeah. if, if I've told you this before, then um, then stop me. But so so I I was having this thought um with a buddy at work about you know you know Maki Mark coming in and you know pitching movies that he should be in and stuff, right, guy? Oh, Mark and, Wahlberg, yeah, yeah, Mark Wahlberg. You know, Local say hello boy. to your mother for me, Mark oh. Wahlberg. Local, and, and, local and hero, see, Mark Wahlberg. Local hero, right? And so, so you know, yeah. In in between making Transforma, you know, because I was only in one of them, right? So and, he's, in, and, he's in two. He's in two. And in, in, in Transfiver, as it were. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I was making Patriots Day, and I, I was talking to Michael Bay and talking to Peter Berg, and I figured, you know what? I got to tap into this cinematic universe stuff they're doing in the Marvel movies, right? And I said. You know, these Marvel movies exist. Why can't Boston have a cinematic universe, Bob? Why can't Boston have a cinematic universe? So, uh, so, I, so I decided that 
I want to make a movie. I'm going to pitch this to you, Bob, okay? okay. I'm going to pitch it to you. So the idea is, okay, you got the Olympics. It's in the not-too-distant future, okay? Yeah. And in the Olympics, the entire U.S. Olympic team is kidnapped by terrorists, right? Uh-huh. Okay? And, and the idea is going to be that all of the best players from all the Boston teams at the time got to team up, and they got to go win the Olympics, as as opposed to like saving yes, the, the correct, people from correct. the terrorists. It can only it can only be the guys from Boston. It's like a Fast and the Furious movie, except it's got like Tom Brady and shit in it, okay? Well, if they have Tom Brady, why do they need all the other guys? Well, see, it's gonna be called the Bean Town Avengers. Now, how come how, well if you have Captain America, how come you need the rest of the Avengers, Bob? Well, because Captain America can't fly. Well, Tom Brady can't fly either, okay? I'm I'm pretty sure he can. Look it. I'll get a couple guys from Southie. They'll be the grips. We'll make it for cheap. He, I mean, he choose. I, I mean, Tom Brady may choose not to fly, but like having seen what Tom Brady can do, would you doubt that Tom Brady can fly? I, I do not doubt it. Now, now maybe his Uggs are special and they got rocket power in them. I mean, it's fine. All right, all right. I'm saying, man. Now, you know, you see, we can make a sequel. So here's a better idea. You know, I was in that movie Invincible and stuff, right? So I was thinking, how about we bring all the Boston sports greats back? I think he he was from Philadelphia in Invincible. Listen, we bring all the Boston sports greats back to play for the teams because terrorists have also kidnapped the teams. Okay, it'll be like old dogs. It'll be like old dogs, but with with, with Boston sports teams, you see. Okay. This is going to print money and shit. I'm I'm serious, guys. Now, are are some of these guys like like dead guys? Of course. Okay, so so like Bill Russell. We're going to use motion capture. So like like motion capture? Are are we going to motion capture Ted Williams? I was was working with Michael Bay. We can reuse shots and do this on the cheap. So Okay, so so like who, who would we motion capture for Ted Williams? Me. So like Mark, and, Mark. And, and so we're gonna make up. We're gonna make up a player. I'm gonna be a culmination of Cam Neely, Tom Brady, and three or four other players. You just think about them, all right, kid. It's gonna be like Patriots Day. I'm gonna play someone who never actually existed. So like, so like Bobby Orr. Exactly. Okay. All right. Okay. And the Farrelly brothers are gonna direct it straight off Green Book. It's gonna be fantastic. All right. Okay. So. So, like, does Larry Bird, like, play himself as, like, the current, like, you know, older Larry Bird? Or well, you do see, you... it's funny because Larry Larry Bird was in Space Jam, right? I'm thinking of making this be in-universe with Space Jam. In, so, like, would, it, would, would this be related to, like, the sequel to Space Jam currently shooting? No, no, not at all. That doesn't exist, kid. Um, that's I mean, not the OG. That's not the OG Space Jam, okay? They can't even get the original Looney Tunes and shit. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'm. I'm. Yeah. All right. Sure. All right. I'm done with this bit. Okay. <laughs> no. 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 Like. I know. I'm just. I'm just. Tr- I'm just turning it over in, in my. In my. I'm just thinking. Cause. Cause. Nat, my. My head just went to. You know. Like every couple of years, someone must like threaten to make like the. Uh, the. The Magic Johnson Larry Bird movie, and then they sit down and they realize that like apart from everything going on around that, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, neither of them were particularly interesting people. And then they don't make the movie. Correct. You know, so, but like, who do you, who the fuck plays Larry Bird? Um. I mean, who, who who looks like. Daniel Stern's like 60. 
No, no, that's just the person that pops into my brain. Who's a young guy that could play Larry Bird? Ryan Gosling? I, I face makeup? I think Bird might have too much personality for, for Ryan <laughs> Gosling, which is weird. Um, no, no, but but like like right there, like like if Shea Wiggum was like 10 years younger, I don't know, because like there's no like young dudes who like like is is there a young Tim Blake Nelson? I don't think so. Because like I I feel like anyone who's young and acting right now is in like entirely too healthy of shape to play like Larry Bird. And, yeah, any like late nineteen seventies, early nineteen eighties sports players from any team or 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 team. Yeah. It... Well, this is like when they made the uh, semi pro. And, like, you know, Will Ferrell in his 40s playing, like, a, a semi-pro basketball player in his 20s from the 70s just looks like an actual guy from that era because everyone was right. because everyone was smoking on the court and in terrible shape. Smoking cocaine and in terrible shape. Yeah, no, it was just, it was just awful. It was just, uh, just no, no one knew how to take care of it. Like, like, abdominal muscles disappeared from white men. For like fifteen years, yeah, and and did not return until like Arnold Schwarzenegger just showed up and said like I've had enough of this. <laughs> so so that that's like a like that's what that was yeah that that was a yeah no 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 I dig it yeah no no there's there is no like Boston cinematic universe you're right you're right well we could have it guy I mean we're not trying hard enough. Well, no, but I, so so like I mean, now. Look, we can have it sponsored by my brother's burger shop. Yeah, all right. So so now, does this all now is this only like existing Boston sports like uh, people or like uh, can like could could the Boondock Saints show up? Like, I think people still like that. I mean, they could. I mean, they could like be. I mean, like because like if you were gonna do like the Boston Avengers, like would be like those two guys. Tom Brady, and I mean that's really all you need. I mean you need like those three guys because you have Tom Brady and then two guys with guns. That just kind of seems, uh... right. I, I, you 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 have your entire Fast and the Furious crew there. Well, oh oh, and well, and Mark from uh, uh, the the Departed, because like he, he he, I mean he was alive at the end of that movie. Yeah, that that is true. Spoilers to the Departed. Sorry. Uh, yeah, spoilers from The Departed. Some of the characters lived. Well, no, spoilers from, you know, has anyone not seen The Departed yet? That's true. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of a big movie. Around here, especially. Yeah, it's no, just, huge. It's it's huge. a true story. I mean, mm. come on. Yeah, I mean, like, Bob Mitchum isn't with us anymore, but, like, you know, Eddie, friends, friends of Eddie Coyle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that works. We can get Affleck back to direct it now that he's not playing Batman. Yeah, he's not. Oh, oh, Aff, Affleck from the town. There you go. Affleck from the town. Yeah. Wait, was he supposed to be from Boston in The Accountant? I think so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe maybe both of those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because he. No, because he had like crazy kung fu powers in in The Accountant. Wasn't that crazy kung fu and like Asperger's powers? Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah, he, he had, he was like high functioning autistic, so he like was like, but like in, in, 
in addition to being like really good at like figuring out people's books, he also like, you know, knew awesome like, you know, Pendexalot martial arts and could use like high powered rifles. That's awesome. He was like gonna kick your Aspergers. Oh my goodness. That that what that was not his catchphrase. Are you sure? No, no, I don't think I think if, if they made the movie like ten years ago it would have been, but now that's probably offensive. I was about to say that sounds like a character from like an image comic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, yeah, you know, the movie, like, it, it wasn't bad. It was, act- it was actually pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I was I was kind of like, hey, you know what? This For, for this kind of representation, not bad. Not bad. Good effort. Better than, like, The Predator. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was unfortunate. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing was a bummer. I haven't seen it yet. It's not great. It's that not great. It's a huge bummer. Yeah, I was disappointed, but you know these things happen. So, um, as as we're getting close to the end of an hour, yeah, um, yeah. What what else? Any anything interesting that um that you have seen or will be seeing or thinking about that we should uh touch on real quick? I saw Alita, and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it looks cool, and it looks like it's tracking to uh as we talk on the evening of its release. Um, it seems to be tracking to do a lot better than they expected. Yeah, yeah, it's still that's really cool. Yeah, they're they're still kind of looking at it as you know, hey, we're we're not going to lose as much money as we thought we were going to lose on this that's, movie. That's but, cool. Uh, they're kind of waiting on uh, they're they're waiting on China to uh, to, to help to, them. Well, like in to to see where where that's going to be. Save so. us, China. Well, it's cool because they don't know. You know, they don't know. Like, uh, that, like people were really serious. Were 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 very concerned about uh, about Aquaman, and then Aquaman turned out to be, you know, like a really big thing. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So this this could be uh, quite a thing. So yeah, it looks it looks like Elite is probably going to do like uh, like thir- between thirty eight and forty mil. So you know, All good right. good on that. You know, it 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 was never going to be a giant hit. But uh, it's it's unusual, and yeah, I think I think they made a mistake not telling people, like not focusing on the fact that that you know it's got like you know a young girl in it, like yeah, like they really should have like leaned hard on. It's like guys, look, you know, Wonder Woman giant hit, Captain Marvel giant hit, you know, we we went and pushed hard that this is hey take your daughters to this movie. I feel like Alita, they kind of have mainly been aiming this at like, you know, gross anime dudes. Yeah. And that's probably a mistake. Yeah. I, I, I think that if they like told people up front, like, Hey, this is, you know, it's, it's on the violent side for PG 13, but like, you know, your, you know, your, your main character is like a 15 year old Terminator girl. You know, I, right. you know, I kind of feel like there's probably like a lot like young women would go season and go, it's like, wow, I never see one of these starring me. Right. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to see a James Cameron sized movie directed by Robert Rodriguez because like he's sort of forced to like shoot on sets and spend money right. and probably do more than one take. But right. also, but but it's still a Robert Rodriguez movie, so it's like, wow, you know, this is like really clean and put together and it feels like there was a second pass at the screenplay. And yet also there's Jeff Fahey. Right. <laughs> just just hanging out. Hanging out like it's a normal thing to still have Jeff Fahey in your movie. Right. But uh, but but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. It's ridiculous and it doesn't really work, but I, I had I had a good time with it. Awesome. 
Yeah. I'm trying to t- did I screen anything else? Not really. Uh yeah, I that was the kind of like the thing I had time to screen. Uh yeah. I'm looking forward to eventually seeing like how to train your dragon three, I think is right. this week. And uh, a couple other things, but yeah, it's it's quite a thing. Nice. Mm. Well, yeah, so um, on the eve of this, we have the Oscars to look forward to, and they've rightfully decided to uh, not um, air those awards during the commercials anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good, because, because, you know, why would you have an awards show about film and show the cinematography and editing awards during a commercial break? Yeah, this all feels like stuff they should have, like, floated to people before they went and announced it. Right. Yeah, this whole yeah. year seems like that. So so anyway, so hopefully we'll, we'll have an episode to talk about the Oscars after the Oscars, but the, the sound of the screaming baby tells me we should probably um, call this. Sure thing, sure thing. Is, is he okay? Is he just, like, sleepy? Yeah, he's just sleepy. Okay, all right, all right. Well, you, you put the baby to sleep and uh, hit, hit the outro, and we'll do it up next time. All right, so... um. Yeah, as as always, I'm uh, um, Chris Chipman. That's at the Chippa on Twitter. And uh, you can find me at Patreon.com/slash/TheChippa, um, and um, on YouTube, Chris Chipman, the Chippa, the Chippa made this. Please um, go to my Patreon and throw some money my way if you are enjoying this and the other podcasts that I do, and also check up the uh, old movies that I've been starting to post on um, the YouTube page. And uh, I really appreciate it. And Bob, um, tell the people how to find you. I am uh, Bob Chipman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at the underscore movie Bob. Just so we're clear, guys, with the sound effects going on here, there there is another person with Chris there with the, the small child as well. We're not, like, ignoring the baby. Right, correct. We're passing him back and forth trying to uh, keep Right, yeah. Yeah, there's there's no, uh, it's, it's not like he's just sitting there while we're podcasting. Right. Yeah. How you doing, Jake? Can you hear me? Can you hear Uncle Bob? He's doing good. He's just he's just teething. Oh, well, you you just keep keep them keep them in as long as you can, dude. Because once they come out, you got to take care of them. Right. You got to brush them and floss them, and it's just the most annoying bullshit. Absolutely. So you just you just do that. Just just get that little ice cube thing and just just <laughs> chomp chomp the shit out of it. Right. I, he, he, he's not memorizing words yet, right? I can still say shit? No, and I don't think he can really hear you, because I got you in the headphones. Oh, uh, okay. All right, well. He can hear me. All right, well, give him my best, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys around. All right, thank you all for coming along on the tangent with Movie Bob, Jake, and I, and have a great night. Take care.